Hey everybody, Coach here, how you doing? Man, happy holidays. We are trudging through that time of year, aren't we? Hey, this week we are talking about pruning, and pruning basics, 101 if you will, and I am glad you're here. If you bear with me, we will be right back and we'll get started. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me Coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, the best way I can uh, generally approach the topic of uh, horticultural pruning is coming at it with a kind of a uh, English literature approach, if you can believe it or not. You know, when I was in a, another career many years ago, I was taught by one of my mentors that everything that we write had to have five W's and an H in it. And I also heard that in college lit classes and some creative writing classes that they would talk about five W's and an H. So how do I, how do I apply that to pruning? Pruning in a landscape, especially during the dormant season or early spring? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked, I really am. So what are the five W's and H? Well, if you recall, and if you don't know, who, what, where, when, why, and how for the H. So we talk about it as, uh, you know, the person who is going to be doing the task of the pruning. When we talk about the what, what are we pruning exactly? The where, well, the where can be where the plant is and where to put the cuts themselves. The when, the when is the time of year and we are right on the cusp of it. Some of it could have already been started, but um, time of year, time of day, weather, and then the why, well, it's not really self-explanatory. Why do we prune certain things? We'll cover that in more depth in just a minute. And the how, well, we'll cover that as well. Why don't we just start with pruning shears and lopping shears, okay? So. On a scale of one to 10, how's your pruning knowledge? If it is really high and you are the schnizzle, then you'll probably undownload this and click off and go about your merry way. And I appreciated the minutes that you did give me. But if you'd like to learn a little something, I'd really appreciate you sticking around. If you are a noob and you want to learn, stick with the podcast here and get a whole educational value. What the hell else do you have to do right at the moment if you're driving down the highway or you're out running or you're doing an errand or you're doing housework or whatever it might be? You know, my goal here is not to bore you and send you away to a nappy rather than learning a valuable horticultural and maintenance task lesson. So let's talk about some of those in depth. So the who? No, not the rock band. So who is doing the task? Is it uh, a family job? How about a, a couple's Saturday morning? Or a lone wolf, like 99% of the time I've done stuff, solo lobo, doing it all themselves. The reason I ask is this, time management, skill level, tool allocation, what you have and what you need, all come into play, and especially in some cases, safety. 
safety comes first above all else. For me, you know, it was always kind of, I was kind of the solo Lobo all the time, partly because I loved doing it if that doesn't sound weird in and of itself. And partly because others doing other things. There was, I mean, we had a ranch to take care of. There's a lot of other chores, both inside and out, that had to be addressed. So kind of weird. It was kind of a weird me time, which was totally cathartic in nature as far as I was concerned. I mean, I actually enjoyed it. I'd put a, a podcast in or a audible book in or something and i'd go out in the morning uh and just start nipping and tucking wherever it was necessary except for our olive orchard now that is pruning on steroids and it was just me most of the time and it became kind of a two and a half week three week ordeal every january yes indeed after we'd brought in the harvest in late november early december depending on the year yeah then we'd jump on the pruning and the pruning it it was it was a lot of material to take off of an olive tree and they were they were healthy olives by the time we were done those olives had tripled in size compared to the neglectful five six foot they were when we first moved in and now they were pushing 10 12 feet or more yeah they were they were uh very healthy frantoyo olives for sure but that was uh that was a bit of a ball buster for me you know that was a big challenge every year so let's talk about the what what are you going to be pruning some may have small orchards like i just described about the olive orchard some may have maybe <laughs> a half a dozen rose bushes some may have a few peach trees and yet others might have a multitude if you're homesteading or something a multitude of fruits and ornamentals berries and perennials and all kinds of stuff that you might need so the what is important because it will also be attached to the when and the why as well stick with me on this the where has to do with a few things where to actually make the pruning cuts themselves where the tree or the bush shrub whatever it is ornamental grass is located and what neighbors what neighbors what other plant neighbors does it have here's a for instance how about ornamental grasses in kind of a a large bed that is that is really heavily heavily populated with new bulb sprouts you don't want to just go trampling in there, you know, and breaking off all the new growth of the bulbs that are starting to pop through in January or early February or for maybe you guys way in the hill up north, maybe uh, end of March or early April. You know, that's not going to do those bulbs any good. This will double back on spacing and planting and remembering where in the heck things are. And when you do prune, when you have lots of other things underfoot, you really have to take care. And that's something that if you delegate this task to uh, another so-called professional, you'd better let them know ahead of time and what kind of consequences would be held to them if they started trampling everything in your place. Because can't see it from my house used to be an old landscape term from an old timer way back when. And I, just, I looked at that guy and I said, you can't see, yeah, if we screw it up, it's still going to work. It may not be the best, but I can't see it from my house. Oh man, what a what a professional attitude that was, huh? You know, each variety of plant will have specifics on where to place your cuts. For instance, where you have second year wood versus first year wood, where you have uh, flowering spurs or fruiting spurs on a fruit tree as opposed to a leaf spur and knowing the difference is really extremely important it really is 
you just go in and start butchering for the sake of butchering because you need to keep things in, in check, well, that could be okay for some things, but in many cases, you're probably eliminating much of next year's harvest by just willy-nillying it. But if you have a specific plant you need to prune, I suggest two things. And if you're not sure of what the heck to do, you can email me the question, or you can search YouTube for the exact plant. I guarantee you it is out there. It is always out there. I mean, there's every Tom, Dick, and Harry husband and wife out there that'll throw their two faces out there just to show that they are the experts. Of course, I would prefer the interaction via email route, but you make your own best decision. Okay, let's move on to the why. The why we prune is literally and virtually a cornucopia question on this broad-based topic of pruning. It really is. Every prunable plant will perform better, last longer, stay healthier, fit better in its location, and make you look a lot better as a homeowner if you know how to approach each individual plant. You want more fruit? You want bigger fruit? Less limb breakage? Obviously a neater landscape, kicking a new season off in a rejuvenating type of way? This is why we prune those plants that need it. Oh, by the way, many of these same winter pruned plants may also need attention during the growing season as well. Many times, right after harvest especially, and in some cases as ripening is occurring. For instance, the peaches and nectarines I used to have at Weed Patch Ranch. Now, I would go in there and prune in the wintertime like is always called upon. But then, after flower and fruit set, I did a little bit of thinning of uh, the more robust fruit setting trees that were going on. Then as the fruit really started to get large and start to ripen up, the plant was just so robust that it would shade all this fruit. And I would go in on the tops and in the middle and really thin them and head them back a little bit, thin them out and let a lot of sunshine penetrate down inside the center of those peach and nectarine trees and allow that fruit to ripen up really, really uniformly. So you can prune right in the middle of the growing season. And then after all the harvest was done, I'd go back in and nip and tuck it again because there was always these, these wandering water-like shoots that would go shooting off into the middle of nowhere. And just keeping everything in check, keeping everything healthy. And it allows you to inspect for other issues as well. You know, other maybe diseases that are trying to get in there pests that are trying to get in there. So the art of pruning is also the art of landscape inspection and correction as well. The when, the when of pruning is mainly focused on the dormant time of many trees, shrubs, and grasses. Although I just blew that out of the water in just the last little segment, didn't I? Some growing season pruning comes into play with perennials especially. It's called deadheading and pruning for shape. You know, if you want to really extend out a perennial's blooming season, sometimes even the annual's blooming season, you know, you can go in and nip and tuck those things, give them a little bit of food, and you'll have another bloom or two in a single growing season. There's also uh, emergency pruning. The wind really comes into play after like a windstorm or a, a violent winter event and emergency pruning for safety to the dwelling, to fences, to neighbors' houses, to vehicles, to anything. You go in as a result of like a big weatherborne event, safety and tidiness in the landscape, and an ongoing regular basis, 
you know, my gosh, can you imagine having a, a 600 pound limb of some huge tree on the side of your house between you and your neighbors and you hear that thing crack in the wind at 2.30 in the morning? You know, that's not the time to stay in bed and say, I'll check it out in the morning. No, you better get your butt up out of bed and go look because if that thing does come down and it does destroy something, hurt someone, kill something, yeah, you're going to wish you got up out of the warm covers for certain. But focusing on the winter prune, the when, the when is the end of this month, December, and through January and February. Four zones, you know, like seven to 10 or 11. For you guys that are way up north, you know, say like three, four, five, six, and then that's probably gonna be pushed to March, April, something like that, depending on where you live until just before bud break. Remember that, pruning just before bud break. And I've even gone in successfully and pruned during and just after bud break when shape was of an issue or space was of an issue. You know, way up north, say 45th parallel or higher, you guys will still have some time yet, way in the springtime and even into May and some of the higher altitudes where you can still get in there and do what you need to do. Maybe take off all the the old foliage and stuff that had died over the, the winter, clean everything up, rake everything up and get things ready. And then you may see little nips and tucks. You're not gonna hurt anything at bud break. You just have to be very selective because are you cutting off buds that are meant for fruit or for flower? Or are you just doing it for shape and for consistency or for ridding it of uh, an infestation of some kind, you know, something like that. I'd like to use just a few for instances for you. Ornamental grasses, late winter and maybe a little shaping and containment during the growing season. But I've always found late winter, uh, you either do it at Thanksgiving and have it done or just let it stand there because all that dried out grass and stuff as long as you've removed the seed heads and stuff so you don't have that grass where you don't want it but going in there and taking it down to 12 18 24 inches depending on the variety and just letting that old stuff sit there and insulate that crown of that plant and in some cases even the the root zone as the stuff gets knocked down by rain and snow but i used to you know i was in zone 9b and that that always meant like Right about now, December, was my time to go out there and throw a sting around it and give it a, a baldy sour right across the top and, and clean everything up and then it would sit there fine. But I don't have the ultra cold temperatures that the way up north does. So when we talk about fruit trees, mid to late winter for cherries, peaches, apples, nectarines, pears, plums, prunes, figs, that kind of stuff, that's generally best. Now there's mixed reviews on whether to use pruning paint or not. Um, I never used pruning paint. I, I never did. I was taught it when I was in college and when I was in the nursery business, but that was way back in the 70s and it was a different, a different thought process back then. And come to learn, it really didn't matter that much. It really didn't. What I did learn was if you had the potential of having parts of the trees, shrubs, whatever you're cutting that might have some kind of disease, then you make sure your clean culture goes to your, your pruning shear or your your lopping shear. You make sure that you're you're cleaning it, dipping it in alcohol or spraying it with something that would, you know, sterilize it before you start taking it from diseased wood and putting it into the tissue of good wood. That way you're not spreading that kind of stuff. When you're talking about berries, mostly late winter is the time for them and a little mid-season for 
navigation in and around. Uh, if you've ever seen some of the videos or Google searches on berry pruning, I mean, sometimes, you know, thornless blackberries and stuff, they can get big, 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 big. The ones that I had on the berry line in the back of the orchard, my gosh, the, the, the primacanes, they would shoot up 10, 11 feet tall. And I didn't have them on a wire or anything. So I oftentimes would go in late season and nip them, you know, tip prune them and they would start to send out new shoots on those primacanes. And I went, aha, I just doubled my berries on that cane next year because I still had new first year wood coming out on that big cane. And sure enough, next year, bam, man, it worked, it worked like clockwork. Remember, most berries like blacks and boysen, logans, raspberries, and the like, will be kind of biennial in nature. So they'll kind of grow their primacane and that will be just green growth. And while that primacane is coming up, the fruiting canes, the second year wood is gonna be your fruiting wood. So after the fruiting wood is done, 90% of the time, it will probably go brown or nearly brown and it will not produce again. Or if it does, they're really useless, small berries. So in the winter time, find those fruiting canes and remove them. And then that'll force the plant to throw out new primacanes the following year. And those primacanes that are there this year, they'll be your bearing canes in the year to come. It will grow that vegetation one year, no fruit. Then in year two, they will flower and bear. So what we call them is primacanes and floricanes, and then remove them. Hey, and let's talk about citrus for a second. For you guys in the higher USDA zones, like nine and above, uh, Light cosmetic pruning, generally in the springtime, early springtime, not too far in, but not into summer to avoid, you know, sun scald down in the center. And for the more tender barks, citrus has a way of cracking and blistering when it gets hot, hot sun on some of the more tender bark. So be careful with that kind of stuff. Plus, you know, a lot of citrus is fall, winter, and early spring spring bearing, you really have to look. And most of the time it's always on new wood, but not always. I would say 80%, 85% of the time it's gonna be on new wood. So don't go in there and start shearing the tree or pruning it back really heavy unless you wanna sacrifice that year's crop. When we talk about ornamental shrubs, those deciduous shrubs, that will always be kind of late winter. It really will be. Uh, just let them be, don't even, don't even bother with them. Unless, again, unless for some reason there's a safety issue or a, or a navigation, something's overgrowing someplace that you, you can't walk by conveniently. Evergreen shrubs. I used to do evergreen shrubs right in the fall, and then I wouldn't touch them until after they've flushed out and did their whole thing the following spring and just before summer. You know, especially if they were evergreen shrubs that gave flower. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with them. They're really kind of on autopilot. And then I would prune them to shape or to taste. So let's talk about the how. The how will surprisingly, it will surround what plant it is. You won't prune a tick seed, Coreopsis, perennial flower, the same as a cherry tree. But both will need a little off the top, Mac, nothing more than a little off the top, because that's just a booster to any particular type of plant. I mean, think about it. Unless you really like to have the, uh, the 60s hippie look to your plants, you know, it's nice to have a well-coiffed, 
well-spaced, well-scaffold type of plant, especially fruit trees, especially trees in general, but also for perennials as well. There's nothing better than looking at a bed of well-cared-for perennials that you could see were mulched, pruned correctly at the right time, fed, and man, the performance those things give. They really do. I'd like to share a little checklist with you for you to consider for the how part of pruning. Let's take a look at them. The first one is quality pruning tools. You know, we talk about how huh, a butcher doesn't use a dull knife when he does his task, okay? So quality pruning tools that are well-maintained and sharp. There's nothing more dangerous than a dull pruning saw, lopping shear, hand pruners or whatever. Dull tools in this realm are a danger, they really are. So make sure that you take care of those hand pruners and lopping shears, pruning saws, pole saws, chain saws, that they're well lubricated, that they're not rusted, that they're stored in a way that will not promote rust. And good knowledge of how you will use them will prevent 95% of accidents and won't cause any damage to whatever you're gonna be pruning. Second, like a, a collection a collection device for pruning waste. Clean up as you go. How many times I have seen so-called professionals go through and prune a front yard for a client. They have two wheelbarrows on their truck and yet they throw, they have everything down on the ground and they prune up everything and then they go back and they rake up piles and then they take piles and they put them in burlap sacks, then they pick them in burlap sacks and put them in a wheelbarrow, then they wheelbarrow up into the trailer or into the back of their pickup and dump. It's like touching the same stuff, I don't know how many times. So I always used to make it a point of having one of my big Jackson wheelbarrows with me. And I would, wherever I went, I would approach the tree or approach the plant, whatever it was, and I would prune it and everything right there, go right in the wheelbarrow, just touch it once and you'd be surprised how much faster your job will go. Third, focused on any diseased or dead wood. And I mentioned it earlier, make sure you sterilize your tools with each cut if you have something that's kind of questionable. And if you don't know what it is, you can send me a picture of it or take it to your local uh, ag extension or your county or look online for, you know, if you got pseudomonas on your cherry tree. You'll know that when you see it because it comes leaking out all over the place but uh, you can always send me a picture. And if I don't know the answer, I'll do you the favor of at least tracking it down for you. Fourth, and that's what I talked about just briefly, and that is safety. Common sense really dictates here, it really does. It's, it's, the, it's the Adolf Hitler of pruning, common sense. You know, high ladder work, chainsaws, watching where you are cutting and knowing where the other hand is in relation or where your foot is, where your weight is leaning on, thorns, make sure you have gloves, make sure you have protective clothing. And then if you have stuff that's diseased and whatnot, you know, make sure you remove it from the site. Just don't let it sit around because it's towards the end of the day. Make sure you bag it up or get it away from other healthy plants because this stuff spreads. It got to your tree in the first place. It can get to another tree just because you have it f filled in the wheelbarrow. You know, if you have a wind that night or whatever, a lot of those spores and stuff can be blown around very, very easily. You know, getting your head around, around this vital landscape task 
and watching the results from your labor will reinforce the expertise and the knowledge that make you want to do them rather than dreading it. When you, you find that you're good at something when you're, and the results show, it, it gives you that sense of pride. And it also validates the time that you spent on it. It really does. And come the next summer or the next spring when everything is popping out, everything is setting fruit, and later on in the year you got a, uh, a banner crop on the whatever fruit tree, and that tree is in a position to, to hold up all that fruit, and it's not laying all the way over because it's not pruned correctly and you've got a lot of weak wood. Yeah, there you go. That's, uh, that shows that you have, you have made it. You have arrived as far as a great DIY homeowner that knows how to take care of his stuff. It really does. So here we are coming into the middle part of December 2022. And for the next three months, it will be time to get these tasks out of the way. For you guys way up north, hey, if it's snowing, obviously you're not going to be doing too much. But you can get out there and prune fruit trees and other stuff even when there's snow on the ground. So don't let that be an excuse. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out, youryardcoach at gmail.com. Hey, check out the, the YouTube channel this week because we're doing something totally different than what we're doing here on the podcast. And I think you really get something out of it. We're talking about an avatar house that we are going to point out some big design concepts so that if you have something similar, you might learn something from this one. It's going to be kind of unique and I'm going to really test my techie skills here this week. So I hope you have time to join me over there. As always, to your landscape success, don't forget the website if you'd love, love, love to have a great Christmas gift for someone who's going to be doing a project but they don't know exactly what they're doing. Man, the ebook and the course, they're right there for you. Youryardcoach.com. Guys, I'll catch up with you next week. Have a good weekend. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach.com at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.